Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Coming up, NFL free agency and possible fallout. I want to see what happens once Tom Brady walks into Bruce Arians' office and tries to use the power that he said that he wanted. We run through scenarios with several positions and players. This puts Jameis Winston in the catbird seat. On both sides of the ball. Clowney is at a point where people don't want to give him 20 mil a year. Look at trades that have been made. Here's my problem with Hayden Hurst. Breaking down a wild few days. Mary went into this thing saying, you know what? I want $19 million a year. The Dallas Cowboys say, no way, Jose. We're going to give you $20 million. This is the Scouts Honor Podcast with inside information. Out of 109 linebacker edge rushes rated, he came in 92nd last year. And unique perspective. They basically gave Hopkins away from Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host Paul Crane. Hello again everyone I'm Paul Crane back with the founder of the Poor Man's Guide to the NFL Draft it's Dave T. Thomas and Dave T. we promised our listeners we'd be back midweek to talk about veteran free agency and oh man starting on Monday really right afternoon Eastern time what a roller coaster ride we've been on. And coming next Monday, get ready, folks, because then we have the second wave. If I sign Joe Blow, I don't need Joe Green anymore. Boom, out the door like Mr. Flacco is about to be up in Denver because they brought in Jeff Driscoll. What we're seeing right now are the chess pieces moving around all over the place, but we're going to be back this weekend. We're going to have Scott Wright on because we're going to show the effects of the signings uh, uh, in the veteran free agency and how it changes and alters the game plan of these teams as far as what they're going to go for in the draft. Well, we'll do our best to talk about much of what's happened. So much has happened. We can't talk about all, but let's start with the biggest name and perhaps biggest headline. It didn't start the free agent frenzy, but Tom Brady made his decision. And as we have referenced here on this podcast, more often than not, Tampa Bay is indeed the landing spot. Uh, Bilicek and Brady, this was a long marriage over here, but like most long marriages, too, it seems to have gotten to the point of where it was just comfortability. Now that all the kids have grown and gone on their way, I guess it comes down to husband and wife decided, hey, maybe it's time for a split. This is going to be, how could I put it, a high-risk reward for either one of them. Brady's going down to Tampa Bay. He's got some tremendous weapons there. He's got probably the best receiver. Sieber and Mike Evans that he had since Randy Moss was catching all of those buku passes. But I'm still looking at Tampa Bay's offensive line. Can they protect Tom Brady? That's going to be a thing for Bruce Arians to take. Now, the big thing is, I want to see what happens once Tom Brady shows down there and goes and walks into Bruce Arians' office and tries to use the power that he said that he wanted. Bruce, I'm on Antonio Brown on my roster. 
Tom, I'm telling you right now, I don't want that diva in my locker room. That's going to be the first battle of heads between Arians and Brady, and I'm expecting that to happen very shortly. Wow. Brady, despite the talent at receiver, waiting for him with the Buccaneers, your understanding is he would like to get Antonio Brown to be part of that as well. And Bruce Arians is not. Well, I hope Tom Brady wants to become more of a gambler because if you notice what Tom has been the last couple of years, it's been his passes in the 10 to 15 yard range. Uh, Bruce Arians is the type that says, well, you know, that's a dink and dunk. Let's go long. Well, well, again, with uh, some of the receivers he's got, uh, that we'll keep our eyes on that, especially if they knock heads. You talk about comparing Belichick and Brady to a long marriage. Wonder if uh, in the second go round, Brady and Arians end up knocking heads before they even get on the field. And this puts Jameis Winston in the catbird seat because why? You look at the names that are probably be on the trade market like Andy Dalton. You look at the guys that are probably going to get cut soon like a Joe Flacco. You take them, Drew Stanton, Colt McCoy, Josh McNall, and Trevor Simeon, Mike Lennon, Blaine Gabbert. Do I want one of those guys? Hell no, man. I must rather go for that big, big young quarterback that had a horrible year last year in Jameis Winston. The ball's in New England's court. Bill's telling people right now, you know what? I'm going to sit back. I'm going to wait. I'm going to let everything salivate out there. But if Sandy, if the, uh, not San Diego, but the Chargers, I still call them San Diego. Yeah, of course. Yes. Uh, well, the Chargers is, is going to be the most logical place right now for them to get on the horn for Jameis Winston. However, you look at what the Chargers want. They want to bring in a rookie quarterback. They already have a guy in place to be the stepping stone there in Tyrod Taylor. I still think that Easton Stick has very good value down the road also. So the Chargers might not be a place for Winston. So where does that leave Winston? Winston will then have to look at, hey, what does New England want? I call him my I'm a quarterback. He's right now, he's ticked off of what Arians did, felt that it was, how can I put it, a slap on him. So he, I'm a quarterback, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to prove Bruce Arians wrong. What better place to do that than with Bill Belichick? Okay, they turned around, they switched wives. If I remember uh, years ago in the 60s with the Yankees. Uh, Mike Kekich and Fritz over. Peterson. Yep. Hey, you might as well have the same thing. If, if, if you're going to change partners, take the one that the yellow one left behind. Each of them... If it's you talk about Jameis and Bruce Arians, like Jameis wants to prove him wrong, Belichick wants to prove Brady that he can win without Brady, and Brady's in Tampa Bay because he wants to prove he can win. So it's a, it would be man, you talk about a a, a triangle, kind of a love trio there. Uh, interesting, and you raised eyebrows on this podcast over two weeks ago when you first mentioned, "Don't be surprised, you want to put me in a straitjacket," but Jameis Winston replacing Tom Brady in New England. When I had to start my research for a couple of teams on the available quarterbacks out there, what would be a logical fit? I kept on running the numbers by, and Winston just looked that way. Yeah, you could look at the 30 interceptions this year, but that's equal to two seasons that he had previously before Arian showed up. You know, when you got Bob Masterson at uh, quarterback and Bat Masterson as your, uh, uh, I mean, as your coach, and then Bat Masterson and Byron Leftwich as your uh, offensive coordinator. 
those two guys, if you look at what they've done, they've never met a, a low-flying pigeon that they wanted to hit. <laughs> so this is a thing over here where Winston now is in the seat where any team looking for a veteran quarterback has to see the logic in him out there. However, there could be another wild card coming on board. Does Chucky turn around right now that he's got Marcus Mariota and say he's going to compete with Derek Carr? What comes down on this thing, if you look at Marcus Mariota, the way that he plays, you know, his pedigree and everything else, I think Marcus Mariota knows that he's going up to Las Vegas with Derek Carr competing with him for the starting job rather than him competing with Derek Carr. That's been an interesting uh, situation to watch as it's unfolded. What about Cam Newton? We had heard that Cam Newton was talking to New England after Teddy Bridgewater signed with Carolina and, of course, the whole Chicago thing, all of this just with the quarterbacks, we've got Carolina bringing Bridgewater in, Cam Newton now free to make a trade if he's able to do so. We had heard he was talking with New England, but, of course, Chicago has been a name associated with a potential for Cam Newton, it seems like, for months. So where does that scenario stand? Why don't we try Washington, too, where Ron Rivera <laughs> had him? But I think no team will be stupid enough to trade for Cam Newton right now. Why? Because you're looking at an opponent over there that is likely to cut Cam by the end of the week if they don't get something back in a trade for him. But whoever picks him up in a trade gets that money that's owed for him. If this guy's out there as a free agent, you turn around and look at what's going to happen with Carolina. Carolina's going to take probably close to a $20 million uh, hit in dead cap money alone by letting Cam Newton walk out there as a free agent. Now you go and look at Washington. I haven't heard Ron Rivera sit down and sing the praise of Dwayne Haskins yet. What happens if I could get a Cam Newton walking through the door at about 7 or $8 million, loaded up with incentives? Cam, you prove yourself you're going to walk away with your 20 mil over here. Now you look at the system that's going on, being installed up in Washington. He played in that system at Carolina already. So if they want to hedge their bet, especially since Colt McCoy is out the door. They don't know if Alex Smith is going to make it back on the field or not. I really hope he does. But Cam Newton could be a nice thing for D.C. right now. But I also have to go back and look at the two years of injuries. i got to go back and look at the way he plays. I mean, when i got a quarterback that's somersaulting to get into the end zone over here, it's like, oh, ouch, bring out the Band-Aid. So i got to try to figure out what is left in Cam Newton. Unfortunately, with the NFL laws right now, they can't even give a physical to a guy. Wow, so that's high risk, potentially high reward, but man, high risk. Those two words are in all capital letters. And I guess Detroit's general managers must have some dirty pictures out there because Chase McDaniel stole $13.5 million <laughs> from them over three years. I, I, it amazes me how this guy ends up with so much money as a backup quarterback. It reminds me what Milt Plum said back in, uh, in the early 60s. Your number two quarterback looks great till he becomes your number one quarterback. Well, Chase Daniel has done a heck of a job for a long time as a backup quarterback, so um, good guy, but is still uh, not tested. Other than the brief time he got uh, some starter money, and but 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 anyway, quarterback's such an interesting position. Now, Tre- Teddy Bridgewater, he ended up being in a situation. It it looked like Chicago uh, was going to be the landing spot, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 he ends up in Carolina. 
Yeah, well, what happened was he was about to go click, click on the pen. But first, New Orleans called him and said, listen, is there any way we could work this out? We're going to have Drew this year, possibly two, but more than likely just one. We'd really like to have you come back. Hold on, Chi-Town. I, I got to talk over here with my people down at NOLA. Then, all of a sudden, Mr. Brady, who had him with the Saints when he was coaching there before he left for LSU, gives a jingle. Hey, listen, we're walk, gonna, uh, walking away from Cam Newton over here. You know the system that we put in place down at New Orleans. Why don't you come on over here? Okay. Joe, Joe Brady, being the offensive coordinator, made a, a name for himself at LSU. Coach under Peyton. Right, but was at yeah. uh, right, but was at the Saints. So that that's the tie-in. I, I mean, if I can't give Brady, uh, uh, Joe Brady, uh, uh, Joe Burrow, who he coached last year at LSU, might as well go back to his other roots down with the Saints. He is a guy that's going to come in and be familiar with the situation. Now, I like that long-range look for the Carolina Panthers. Here's a simple thing. We don't know if we're ever going to get to OTAs. We're not going to, if we don't have OTAs, we're more than likely not going to have many camps. Uh, training camp could probably be impacted because now the CDC is coming out and saying this thing could linger for up to 18 months. If all of these things are pushed back, what do you want if you've got a new young quarterback coming into your stable, someone that's familiar with your system? Makes and that's the same thing sense. with the Colts. Look, well, look at the Colts. They go for Philip Rivers. He's got two guys over there that he's already played under. I mean, his head coach and his quarterback coach. So now Rivers is coming in. They're using the same system. Yeah, but it's only for one year. He was looking for two, but when somebody drops down $25 million on a 38-year-old, you're not going to walk away, especially since Phil Rivers right now has, what, 101 kids? <laughs> well, you know what else he has in Indianapolis? Not only a familiar system, but one of the best offensive lines in football. Well, with all those kids and most of them staying home because most of the schools are closed around the United States, it's <laughs> a good place for him to be in Indianapolis with 25 mil while the family's sitting down at Florida. Wow. Uh, one other uh, quarterback note, and then we'll move on to some other things. Uh, it goes back to the Bears. We had heard when uh, the Bridgewater thing was unfolding. What about Andy Dalton, that there was a kind of a back and forth with Cincinnati, which is obviously poised to select Joe Burrow number one? Yeah, you know, the rumors out there, Chicago and New England on Dalton, I just don't see Dalton fitting into the uh, the Bill Belichick mold, so I'm discounting that altogether. But I look at the, the lack of quality of the other quarterbacks over here, soon to be released, Joe Flacco. I'm just curious if DG, uh, Gettleman up with the Giants, says, you know, I need a backup for Jones. I need a guy similar to him. And the Giants bring up Flacco to be, how could I put it, the clipboard holder? Okay, uh, that would be pretty interesting, and he he'd probably do it because he already uh, what he did by going from Baltimore to Denver uh, it didn't work the way he wanted. So it's whether continue a career or not, right? I mean that's that's not going whether Denver keeps him or not. He's walking out the door with nine million in his pocket because that's still guaranteed. Wow, that's all. Uh, that's quite something. Yeah, everyone should have those. So problems. if I'm the Giants, then I could pay a veteran quarterback the minimum over here, which will be deducted from Denver Rosen over here. Hey, freebie. Well, one place uh, that took care of its quarterback situation, as we anticipated it would, the Dallas Cowboys franchise, Dak Prescott. We'll see if they're ever able to get a deal done. Uh, they've also made some other moves. They lost Byron Jones, but re-signed Amari Cooper. 
Uh, that that's kind of an interesting s- situation. And Cooper was not allowed to get onto the free agent market, but man, did he get paid? Well, let's go back to the Prescott thing. You really think he's going to show up? I think Prescott's going to be the first quarterback to sit out there with a franchise tag on him and say, "I'm not signing." Wow. I mean, you look at it. They were offering him 33. Then they upped the offer from 30 up to 35. Now with the franchise tag, he's looking at 31. So you really think I'm going to come in at 31 when you were offering me 33 and 35? Hey, Jerry, you're freaking nuts. And then you look at the Amari Cooper situation. Amari went into this thing saying, you know what? I want $19 million a year. The Dallas Cowboys say, no way, Jose. We're going to give you $20 million. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's doing Homer, system on the, Homer uh, Simpson on the other end of the phone. Doy, yeah, sure. Where do I sign? Oh, man, that's uh, that's mind-boggling, so it's no wonder it got done so quickly. But they lost Byron Jones to Miami. You had mentioned uh, the last couple of weeks how much money Miami had to spend, and they were not going to be afraid to spend it. And Byron Jones, you also mentioned a week ago that outside of the quarterbacks, you anticipated he'd get the biggest bump of every non-quarterback. Well, he almost got even a bigger bump because the Raiders put a larger contract on the table, but he decided, looking at Chucky, looking at Brian Flores, he says, you know what, man, I don't need a migraine headache, man. I'm going to head down with a nice, calm coach that's going to sit down and let all of the kids learn from me. So he's in an ideal place. Hell, you look at the money that uh, Miami's been putting out there. I am telling you one thing. This is a team I am telling folks is a major sleeper for the playoffs next year. They still have to address the offensive line. They did sign Alex Karras, but I think he's the worst center in football. Uh, Eric Flowers showed with Washington last year that, hey, I'm a much better guard than I am a tackle. And not only that, Flowers is going home because he played at Miami U. They got to go out and get at least another tackle. They're sitting in a draft with number five, uh, or, uh, number eighteen, and then another uh, first-round pick. I look at them in this draft going out and getting possibly doing uh, what uh, Atlanta did last year: go and get two offensive linemen in a draft. But I'm still saying number five. You got to put love on love being in South Beach. Wow! And wouldn't that be something? Well, they got a veteran quarterback in place, and it's the same thing. Like I said, with the Chargers, the Chargers' the best op, uh, their best option is to go ahead and get a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, my concern about Love is I don't think they'll do it, but I do feel that the Chargers will probably move up to number three with Detroit if some certain Alabama quarterback is on the board. But I measure the ability of Tom, and I look at Love. The injury factor scares me. You know, you look at him down in Alabama, not only the hip, but other injuries out there. How long is a guy going to last on the field? You know, Boatwright coming back from the hip and found he couldn't do it, so he had to pick up a bat again. Yeah, no doubt. And, and while they, the initial fear was it was a Bo Jackson-like injury, the word from doctors is it's not, but it was clearly bad. And there is a question about Tua coming in, and it looks like Tua may still be available five or six for other teams when you thought before the season began there's no way he'd be available after number two 
Well, here's what scares me. I'm not allowed to bring the kid in. I'm not allowed to give him another physical with my own docs over here. Uh, we don't know if the medical recheck schedule for April 9th is actually going to be in effect, considering that everything is shut down around the NFL except free agency and draft preparation. Right now, people are doing everything on film because they're not having an opportunity to have the kids looked at. So if they go ahead and cancel on the medical recheck for these guys, you're going to see those guys drop a few slots on draft day no doubt uh that's another uh, unique situation fear of the unknown paul right. fear of the unknown and especially if i'm taking a quarterback that early over there i cannot sit down and risk that the first time he steps on the football field and tries to go sideways i hear pop pop right you cannot risk a pick that high uh, going back to wide receiver with a huge deal to Omari Cooper, it wasn't free agency, but we saw some big names get traded. Stephon Diggs to the Bills, but what about the DeAndre Hopkins deal to the Arizona Cardinals that sends running back DeMarie David Johnson to <laughs> It only goes to show you that when you got a priest in your front office and an idiot on the field over there, you better do a lot of prayers, brother, because they basically gave Hopkins away. But not only did they give Hopkins away, they took on 1.5 more million on their ta- on them on their cap over here by getting a broke down running back in David Johnson. On top of it, it ended up costing them who I said was the best defensive player in this free agency market, and that was Reader, the nose guy. You go ask J.J. Watt right now. J.J. Watt will tell you point blank. Reader was our best player on defense. Now Reader's gone. He ends up walking away with $53 million. I'm looking at the moves that Houston is making over here, and boy, oh, boy, if I'm Deshaun Watson right now, I'm walking in that offense and saying WTF. I mean, now you're looking at uh, a Kenny Stills, you're looking at a Randall Cobb, or you're looking at uh, Will Fuller as your wide receivers. Oof. That's a big drop-off. That's a big drop-off. And then look at the money that they ended up giving Randall Cobb. It defies logic. You're giving a guy that wasn't wanted in Green Bay anymore, ends up in Dallas. Here's his former coach up in Green Bay saying, I don't want him either. Dallas lets him walk, and he ends up with $27 million on three years. Hmm. Man. While the bottom looks to be dropping out in Houston, we'll try to run through a bunch of these other things. It's all been a head-spinning couple of days. Uh, Jadavian Clowney on the defensive side is a name that we were looking at in advance of free agency opening, and you had mentioned the Giants were going to go after him, and you thought Indianapolis might be interested. But Jadavian Clowney, as we sit here recording this after a couple of days of free agency, remains unsigned, but the Giants appear interested. Can they get it done? And what's going to happen with Clowney? I cannot believe that they're looking at Kyler Fackrell as being their pass rushing uh, edge rusher linebacker type. Why? Because this guy had a horrible year last year. He had that fluke season in 2018, but a fluke season in 2018, brother, I'm on that mode, man. What have you done for me now? Out of 109 linebacker edge rushers rated, he came in 92nd last year. And you look at the other guy that they signed, Martinez. Martinez came in 52nd out of 79 inside linebackers. Yeah, Pat Graham that was at Green Bay uh, is now the offensive coordinator over with the Giants, but boy, oh boy, Mr. Judge, what happened with your infatuation with Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins? You let those two walk. Meanwhile, they sign all of these linebackers over here. I don't see any of them that I would even have with my first unit. 
and none of them are named Clowney. Yeah, well, there is the thing. I think Clowney is at a point where people don't want to give him twenty million a year, and that's what he wants. Seattle's still monitoring the situation, but they only want to go sixteen, sixteen and a half per. The Giants, more than likely, will still get involved if the price comes down. Interesting situation to watch there as well. Uh, Have you noticed though one thing though, Paul, on the defensive line, the guys that are getting the most money right now outside of Chicago being idiotic and giving $70 million to Robert Quinn, they're the interior guys because, to me, an interior defensive lineman is much more valuable to me than these cockroach-type of edge rushers. I mean, D.J. Breida leads Houston to Cincinnati for $53 million. Javon Hargrave, probably the most underrated guy on the defense with Pittsburgh, now heads up in the state of Pennsylvania to Philadelphia for $39 million. And the Arizona Cardinals got a Manster, a guy that's coming into his own last year from Buffalo. They go ahead $30 million down on Jordan Phillips. And then Michael Brockers, he ends up going to Baltimore. Baltimore's putting together one hellacious offense, defensive line. That's why I see Matt Juden right now being a great uh, trade chip for them to at least get either a late one or an early two back in return. And it's not the same kind of uh, interior, but Gerald McCoy got a three-year deal from the Cowboys. Here's the nuttiest thing, though. Vic Beasley. I mean, Vic Beasley was hard and feathered and run out of town in Atlanta, $12 million a year from Tennessee. And meanwhile, Tennessee turns it around then because they're getting so close on the cap. They trade a five-time All-Pro, Jarrell Casey, this morning for only a seventh-round draft pick to Denver. Denver turns around and tells Shelby Harris, you got to give me your decision now. Derek Wolf, we're not even going to renegotiate your deal. You're out the door. Well, I think the big boys are going to find out that they're not going to get their asking price. Shelby Harris is not going to get the $14 million that he's looking for. Michael Pierce all but ate himself out in Baltimore, so he's going to find a lot of teams not looking at him that much. Uh, you got to look at the availability of some of the defensive linemen out there. Outside of Clowney, you got Everson Griffin. He's only 32. Minnesota let him go. They want to bring him back at a lower price. Uh, Don Terry Poe, uh, Carolina let him walk. The Dama Dama Sue is out there, Derek Wolf, Ezekiel Ansa, uh, Jabal Sherd, Michael Bennett. There's talent out there, but I'm looking at these guys. They have more deficiencies than, how could I put it, assets if I sign them to my team. Moving back to the offensive side, one of the first signings of the free agent period, or at least contract agreements that really, I know, popped your eyes off the charts was the Cleveland Browns signing free agent tight end Austin Hooper, late of the Falcons, to the biggest contract ever given a tight end. Well, it wasn't a matter of Hooper, you know, leaving Atlanta, but where he ended up with Cleveland. Uh, I just look at that team over there, but then I have to go back and look at Stefanski when he was with Minnesota. Kyle Rudolph has a lot to thank uh, Stefanski for all of that money he's making. I think Cooper will do well over at Cleveland, but here's Chicago coming up, another stupid move on their part. They turn around and give $16 million to Jimmy Graham. $16 million to Jimmy Graham. Paul, me and you, we got to... Dust off those leather helmets and get out there. <laughs> you know, uh, Seattle ended up with a good one-stop, uh, you know, one uh, one-year guy for only seven million in Greg Olson. Then you look at the Raiders. The Raiders turned around and get the ageless wonder, uh, Jason Witten, for only four and a half. 
staying on tight end, the the Falcons, after losing Hooper, go out and make a trade for Hayden Hurst. Here's my problem with Hayden Hurst. Go back and talk to uh, the baseball organization he was. Uh, this kid's got some issues in the metabolism noodle or off the football field. What happens if he gets down to Atlanta and slumps like he did with Baltimore? I'm concerned when a guy has anxiety issues. It, it really scares me. I remember a guy years ago, defensive end, that everybody loved till he got in camp and went cuckoo, and that was Demetrius Underwood. So there are things that uh, Hayden Hurst is obviously talented. Uh, obviously, oh it, yeah, he's talented. But here's the thing, Paul: you bring in the first rounder over here, you bring in the fourth rounder, and all of a sudden the fourth rounder beats your pants off just coming out of training camp as a rookie, and then solidified it with his performance last year and Mark Andrews. And then it tells you how nutty it is out there. The New York Giants give an Atlanta Falcon reject, the San Francisco Forty Nine a reject, Levine Tuolo. They give him six point two million. Hmm. Outrageous! I really wish I was an agent. <laughs> well, as this week unfolds, I know that we're going to be discussing moving forward how it's affecting the draft. But what are some of the other things we're not done yet? You talked about the second wave. So, how many surprises do you think are still out there, other than the ones we've already discussed that have happened and may happen? Well, look at Denver. They signed Driscoll. They're letting Flacco out the door. Uh, uh, Carolina turns around. They just sent Eric Reed back in. Malcolm Jenkins, oh, my prodigal son, you've gone home to the New Orleans Saints. What if the New Orleans Saints brings Eric Reed in on the cheap? Now, all of a sudden, they got three Buckeyes and Eric Reed in their secondary. Instantly, Sean Payton has upgraded that position for very few bucks. No question. And so I think what we're going to see, Paul, is that if I end up getting a guy that's better than my guy and my guy's making a lot of money, I'm waving goodbye to that dude. Well, the business of football always uh, steps in front of everything else. And that, on that Eric Reed possibility, if it happens, he also played at LSU and the state of Louisiana would embrace that in a major way. Well, look at the cash-strapped uh, Los Angeles Rams. They're trying to trade Todd Gurley. If they can't get a trade done on Todd Gurley, will they eat that money and send them out the door? I don't know if I want to sit out here paying $15 million to a guy that's averaging less than 3.5 yards a carry. Meanwhile, if I put him out there on the board, i am still got to pay him this year because he still has two years of guaranteed money. Well, you look at the David Johnson uh, uh, trade. Not only did they end up with Hopkins, they ended up with the biggest albatross on their roster by taking that $14.5 million that they were going to have to give David Johnson to be a backup running back this year. That trade, I think, really caught a lot of people by surprise, uh, and we'll just have to see. You already addressed it in terms of what Bill O'Brien's doing in Houston and Deshaun Watson. You mean to tell me, though, for uh, to take on that big contract, to trade away a perennial All-Pro? I mean, look at the way he played banged up last year. Right. Now you trade away an All-Pro, and the best thing you got back in the deal was a second-round draft pick? Jeez. No first-round pick for trading a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And you mentioned that the, the running back position. David Johnson's already, for lack of a better phrase, damaged goods. Same for Todd Gurley. When healthy, we know both of those guys are able to play, but we've talked about it so much. It's such a fragile position. How can the Rams get an actual trade for Todd Gurley with the money still owed on that contract? Somebody would love to... Ha kick the tires and give him, bring him into camp and, and see if he can play, but not with that contract. 
and the injury history. There's 38, there's 38 unrestricted running backs out on the board right now. Out of the 38, 22 of them started last year. Only one got a contract. That was when Howard left Philadelphia for Miami, and that's that $5 million per. Wait and see on that position. I, I mean, you look at it right now. I mean, if anybody wanted a running back, you're looking at Melvin Gordon sitting on the board. Uh, I'm not a Devonta Freeman fan, but for about $2 million, I could probably bring him in. But I think what it is is that we know it, it, the running backs are sort of like Cadillacs. Once one part breaks down, you sure as hell know the rest of the car is going to start breaking down, too, so it's going to start costing you bucks. That's what happens. Once your running back breaks down, it's pretty hard for them to all of a sudden revive their careers. So Outside true. of Adrian Peterson, yeah. of course. Well, and those examples are few and very far between. Have you looked at the available running backs out there? I mean, it looks like a uh, you know 1776 with the uh, the flag, uh, the drums, and the fife walking across the stage. <laughs> These guys are pretty banged up. <laughs> Again, it's the nature of the position and why you really have to be careful not how much, not only with how much money you spend, but how highly you draft them. Um, it's just the nature well, of the position. Well, you can always get cut and end up down at Houston, Paul. I mean, if you look at Bill O'Brien the last year and a half, this guy goes through running backs like other people change their socks. <laughs> oh, man, what a week it's been. I, I'll also say with everything that we're all dealing with across the country, it, it's really refreshing to have some actual sports to pay attention to and we appreciate the nfl continuing on because it's been a wonderful distraction but we'll just have to wait and see like you said we're not sure about otas we're not sure about training camp we're not sure about anything at this point but the decisions that are left to be made both with the second wave of free agency and of course the draft will be monitoring and teams are going to have to be very informed. They'll have to do the best they can without being on the road. Here's the thing. General managers go talk to their scouting directors. They don't even give a damn what their scouts are saying. The scouts are going to play a very, very important role on draft day this year. It's not going to be walking up to that position coach and the GM knocking them on the head and saying, who do you want? They're going to walk up to the scouts that saw this guy, that guy, the other guy. Which one do you want? You're going to see value boards of most teams out there be very different this year than in the past because you got to be spot on because if not, you're not going to have your pro days. You're not going to be able to go out for individual workouts. And the guys that need the second medical, you're probably not going to be able to get that in, uh, that uh, information because the league is more than likely going to close that down too. Well, a lot to wrap your head around, but there is so much uh, in these trying times, Dave T. It's just nice to have normalcy, as I said. It's always great to have your insight and information, and we'll just look forward to next time. Hey, brother, this is the time, like the groundhog coming out on February 2nd. That's when the draft next come out. We control February, March, April. That's the way it goes. So three months a year, while everybody is out there doing Rip Van Winkle, it's the draft, Nick. They're the guys that want the information. They're the guys that know how to digest that information. And we'll look forward to providing as much as we can as we continue to move toward the draft. Dave T., thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll look forward to having you back here on the next Scouts on a Podcast. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.